Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Peter. And we are parents of two children, Alberto and Rosina. Each week we sit down together and chat about the reality of raising children. So, if you're a new parent, expecting or just want to see what it's all about, this is the place for you. This, this is, is The, the Parent Sesh. podcast hello everyone we are four episodes into this thing now we are well and truly podcasters i would say i would say so too yeah, change your career title that's what <laughs> you are now so this week we're going to talk all about our experiences as a single income family family one where you stay at home yeah and i go to work and how that side of works for us but of mm. course we don't like to jump and dive straight into the, the, meaty, the meaty inners of the topic of the week. We like to really start with a lighthearted look at the week gone. Mm -hmm. And this week had a really nice moment. A nice, well, depends on how you look at it. <laughs> I, uh, with everything opening up, uh, this week for the first time in two and a half years, got on an aeroplane. Wowza. I know, for work. <laughs> so I had to travel to Sydney and chose to travel to Melbourne after that mm -hmm. to, to undertake some work activities. And it meant my first ever time being away from Racina. Yeah. Because I've been here pretty much the entire time she's been out. Yeah. It was a normal way of life for Alberto uh, when he was born that you'd be sort of flying in, flying out on these trips for periods of time. Close to maybe between a third and half of the year mm. would be spent. Like maybe one week would be a day, but then the next week would be maybe three days and there might be a break for like two months, but then it would kick back in and be like a month solid. Seven days. Yeah, mm. especially the, the longer overseas trips. Yeah. Anyway, off track. But this is the first time and the first opportunity to see what it would be like being away from them. And not that I wanted this opportunity to extend itself, but I found myself really wanting to engage. So I, would, I was video calling at every opportunity I could. And the first morning, the Monday morning, I video called and the kids, you guys were having breakfast or getting ready for breakfast for mm -hmm. the day. It was about seven, quarter past seven in the morning. And Alberto took the phone and was constructing the video call and then he showed Racina mm. my face. And she reached her arm out and pointed and said, Papa. Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> what a moment. Of course, would have been way better in person. Yeah. But just the fact that she recognised me through the video call. And, and was excited to see you. And was and excited to see me and... Mm. It was a real pinch myself moment because she hasn't really been saying papa um, at home very often. She says it here and there or she'll say it like papa and you aren't sure if it's really just sounds or what she's talking about. But that was the first one that was really loud and clear. For loud the, and clear. For the uninitiated, papa is the Italian word for dad, for father. Mm -hmm. So we like to use that with the kids at home. Mm-hmm. 
It was just really nice. Strangely enough, too, Alberto was way more excited to see me on a video call than he actually ever is in person. In person, he's like, morning. <laughs> really bizarre. Like, I'm working from home a few days a week at the moment and I see them every day. So, mm. strangely enough, seeing him on a screen, he was so excited he couldn't stop talking to me, which is yeah. the opposite of when I'm at home. It was very excited to receive your pictures of the plane. Yeah, I'm excited. Funny, a little story. Peter asked me to send a photo of the plane so she could show Alberto. So I sent of a selfie of me sitting on the plane. In a mask. In a mask with no picture of the plane, (laughs) really, just seats. So it just looked like he was in a seat. (laughs) Very bizarre. I may have misunderstood that that, that cue, but that's fine. The actual plane. I had figured it out and then sent the photo of the plane through and he was happy. Mm-hmm. So that was the first experience of being away from them and I never want to do it again. Oh. It was just a really nice uh, example and reminder of, of how nice it is to be at home. And I guess that kind of ties in really well to today's episode, mm-hmm. which is all about being a family where one person works, one stay at home and relying on a single income. So we're going to take a break, gather our thoughts, and when we come back, we'll talk all about it. So we decided to be a single income family. Yeah. Where I work, you stay at home. It's perfect for us. It works so well. Before everyone jumps onto social media to talk about how it's old-fashioned, it is something that has really worked for our family dynamic. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't always going to be like this. We we both had jobs before we had kids. Like mm-hmm. You had a decent job with decent money, and I obviously have worked for the same place I still do now. Mm-hmm. And- we thought that that financial situation was what was needed to sustain a family. And to live life to the fullest, we thought that we wouldn't be able to holiday without it or give our kids everything they need without it. Yeah. And it was something we maintained even whilst you were pregnant. Yeah. I think even whilst you were pregnant with Alberto, we really had plans in place for how long you were going to be off for. Mm-hmm. It was going to be 12 months and you were going to pretty much come back full-time, straight yeah. into full-time work straight after that. I think I worked up to 36 or 37 mm. weeks pregnant because Alberto was born um, in the summer. It was sort of around Chris- around that Christmas holiday period that I was able to take off and then turns out stay off. You haven't been back since. No. But, yeah, we really didn't expect that to be the case. And I think it wasn't really until he was born, like up until the very moment that he was born, that everything got turned upside down or the right way up. Depends (laughs) on how we want to look at it. Because from that moment, everything was about him. Mm. You really, and not to speak for you, because I think you can do a pretty good job of speaking for yourself. Mm -hmm. I noticed myself something switch. Mm. It was like going into a room that was dark and you turned it on and it was filled with light. Your purpose was found. Yeah. 
I think that for me with that first pregnancy, we didn't have a perfect easy ride and Alberto didn't have this perfect easy journey into the world. And when he finally was earthside and in our arms and in the world, it really hit home how amazing and important this role in his life is. You you don't really grasp it because mm. it's so normalized to have children and have mm-hmm. a family that mm-hmm. you are the sole responsible human beings for this little child. Yeah. And role models. For them, for it not Mm. to be the priority kind of started to be a bit of a baffling thing for us because everything we wanted was to set him up for success Mm -hmm. in life and just the type of person we wanted him to be. You heard last week about our sleep journey story. That's an example of getting to do things because we put him as the priority. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was so much more than that. Like I felt like there was a pull for you to not go back. Yeah. And. I think that with with my work, I actually, when I was taking my leave, put in for 12 months. You did. And that was it. That was the plan to go back after 12 months. And I thought personally, I didn't necessarily discuss it with them, but I thought I would potentially be returning on a part-time basis and the the ability to increase that. At, as time went on. As afterwards. time went on. Uh, so that was really the intention and that was what was discussed in the workplace. I think we we still tried to make that happen mm. even after we we could feel a shift in our our mindset because at six months, when Alberta was six months old, you there's this thing called keeping in touch days where you have 10 days throughout your 12 months off. Mm-hmm where you can work and keep in touch and keep up to date with the progressive progressions and happenings in yeah. the office. Further training, you know, things like that, that you could take on. And you did them. I did a few of them. It was not for me. It was for them and the company I worked for. And it never felt authentic to what was going on in my life. It just felt that I had an obligation And then I stopped engaging, I guess. And then it went quiet, which was allowing me to then just be in amongst the motherhood journey and with Alberta. You really embraced it. I think from everything I saw, and I should point out at this time, this was pre-COVID. So Mm. there was no working from home. There was Mm -hmm. absolutely no let up of travel. We, I was still on the train of everything that pre-COVID brought with my role of what I do. Yeah. And I think you kind of solidified your position as the person who wanted to stay at home yeah. during that time. Some consistency, normalcy, and allowing Alberto and I's relationship to just be so strong. So strong. And as the time went on approaching that 12-month mark, there was conversations you were having with your work about what capacity you'd come back at. And I think it probably worked out so much for the best that they had changed management 
because they weren't allowing you to go back with the small part-time hours that you wanted. I think they were saying that it would be for like a very short period yes. of time. And you wanted so like for 12 up months. to six weeks or yeah. something that I would be able to do that to transition back into a full-time role. So uh, it it wasn't going to be a permanent thing. Was you wanted it to be permanent yeah. effectively. And all it ended up doing was – you know, as a, I think the rules are still the same, but you basically have a 24 month window where you can take off and still have your job at the end of the 24 months. Yeah. So you just extended the 12 months. You went, oh, I'll just take another 12 months maternity leave. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> In those words, exactly. Yeah. I don't, I wasn't privy to the conversation or email, but I feel like that's how it went. But it was just, a, it allowed me the time and space that I needed to really decide if what I wanted and what I wanted our future to look like and what did I wanted our family to look like and the dynamic we had, having that extra 12 months to work with and the ability to go back when I chose on somewhat of my terms uh, really, really, yeah, fostered my confidence in saying I don't need to be Back at all. Absolutely. I think the confidence thing was a huge factor because you pretty much over that next 12 months, it wasn't too long into it that we realized we're not going to go back. Mm. We kept it there as an absolute backup if needed. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure we knew it early on that you were just going to resign. Yeah. And this was going to be the normal for the family. Some of you might be asking, but how did you survive? You know, you had a mortgage with that house that you said was so big. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing to, to sustain your existence? Look, this was pre-crazy days where house prices weren't through the roof. And interest rates. And interest and- rates were mm-hmm. were relatively normal. Like they were, they were probably higher than they are now, but it was also in a more manageable Very house consistent. price environment. And House- interest rates were very consistent. It wasn't going up and down or we weren't ha- we weren't having seven, eight hundred thousand dollar mortgages at that point either. Like they were mm. relatively low for for the time that we were in. And we were also still had before Alberto was born, we had our investment property, which was our first home together, mm-hmm. which was an asset. And I just remember thinking, we're gonna need to sell this <laughs> because the stress of managing that investment property was with an impending baby, I had to get rid of it. But the profit from that sale did sustain us, you know, within that first 12 months and even beyond. Yeah. Before we really truly learned to curb our spending and what things were important to us and what things we could leave off, I think that we just maintained the lifestyle we had for quite a while. Yes. (laughs) Silly. Very silly. Uh. But it's all learning, right? We all learn on this journey. And after we really solidified, yep, we're staying off. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? It became easier. It definitely became easier. So we've got a lot to get through really in this episode. I really want to touch on, especially in that first two years, what the benefits to Alberto were having you be at home with him full time. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about how this time period really uh, gave a lot of confidence to Alberto.
So two years, you were technically still employed, mm-hmm. but raising our son at home. Dream situation for you, really. Well, <laughs> let's not take this the wrong way. Basically, you you felt a calling to do that and you wanted to give him all that you could. Yeah. And the only way you could do that was being at home. Yeah. And I do remember throughout my lifespan, throughout my childhood, my teen years, always yearning to be a mother and being there for my kids and being home with them. It definitely was something that was in my mind and a dream that I had. So it was more putting that dream into like a real life situation. (laughs) Actioning it against all odds as well, or against a situation that a lot of people maybe feel pressure to go the other way. Mm -hmm. And as I was talking about, there was so many benefits to Alberto's confidence and social ability Mm -hmm. that stems out of it. You might think that social ability for kids stems from social interaction with other kids, but teaching them the com- the way to speak, the correct phrasing, the sentence structures and mm. interacting with them almost like a mini adult, that can give them even more confidence than you can imagine. Yeah. So I wasn't at home for a lot of what you did. So maybe it's a good time to tell me what it was you actually <laughs> did to get him to that point I in think, those two years. I think the key for me was always just talking to him. So even if we were just doing something simple, like going to the grocery store, I'd be talking to him as I put him into the car seat. I'd be saying, oh, we're going to the grocery store now. Are you excited? Let's go and pick out some things that we want to eat for the week. What are we going to eat? Once you get to the grocery store, then I would talk to him the entire time that he's in the trolley or or in the pram or wherever he was. And I'd be talking to him and asking him to hold things for me or, you know, even at an age where he wasn't able to respond or wasn't able to form full sentences, he would still be engaging with the conversation and looking at me in the eyes and making sounds back and, and just things like that. So it was really an opportunity for me to just constantly, (laughs) constantly. (laughs) It was repetitive. (laughs) I feel like it was, you're saying it was repetitive. I had no one else to talk to. No. Um, but just, just open communication and just getting him to explore and wonder about things. And I'd pick something off the shelf and I say, Oh wow, this capsicum is red. Alberto, do you see that this is red? And just things like that. Constantly educating him on the world around him. Mm. So he would just, his awareness would grow. Yeah. And, you know, oh, we're going into aisle number one, aisle number two. Do you see the number two? Where's the number two? And just trying to get him to learn as we're doing, learn through living versus sitting in front of a book or learning through a song or or the things that might happen. In other situations. Yeah. You really saw the benefit to that when he started to interact with other adults in particular. I remember one story you told me where you took him somewhere and he walked, he burst through the door and went, hiya, <laughs> and just was had this immense confidence to just interact with other people mm-hmm. that I just don't feel he would have gotten had he not had that really close interpersonal 
relationship with you. Yeah. And even as he got older, he was so, so confident that we would go to a playground and he would walk up to other kids and say, do you want to play with me? Oh, so cute, <laughs> but so crestfallen when the other kids used to just walk away. Or they couldn't. Didn't know how to handle it. Yeah, they didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know what to say back or 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 how to communicate with him because he was so young and just things like that that was a little disheartening, but seeing him have that confidence and that, you know, head up attitude and just walk straight into a situation and take it, you know, in his hands, it was wonderful. There were so many other situations like he could hear a song. He would listen to a grown-up adult song mm. and then he could sing the song back. Yeah. Like there were so many adult songs that he liked. Look, I say adult as in like, you know, like Vance Joy, Riptide. I'm yeah. not talking like Snoop Dogg or something like that. I'm talking adult listening, mm. you know, maturish songs. He would listen. He'd pick up the words and the language and he'd, he'd have this ultra focus for it. Mm. And I really put that down to the fact that he was – for three years before he went to, to daycare yeah, at home with you. Yeah. We used to uh, play the guitar together and I can't play the guitar. Alberto can't play the guitar. No, he can't. But, uh, <laughs> during that time and listening to so much music and being so engaged with it all, he was actually strumming along to the beat to the best of his ability. So like, yes, he couldn't hold his fingers to make the chords, but the actual beat of the song and the tune of the song, he was able to mimic and play on the guitar all the time, which was just amazing. So cool. And then mm. to be honest, I got to see a lot more of this once the pandemic hit, everyone was working from home. So I think it was just after two that that happened. And I got to see all of the work that you had done with him in those two years were just laid out in front of me. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible to see that come to life. And I just remember being so thankful that we were able to sustain that mm -hmm. and, and bring that uh, connection through his life. Because there were probably a few inflection points where – we'd had discussions about what can we do to supplement a second income. And it was really challenging to, to go through that process. And nothing ever seemed worth it. Yeah. We I think looked, that was the big thing, right? Is yeah. every time we sat down to speak about it, the, the negatives would always way outweigh the benefits of the extra income that we might get from it. Mm -hmm. So we stuck to what we were doing. Yeah. We stuck to what we were doing. One of the big things that we did and that we never had as an extra burden or an extra something to factor into our finances was we never lived outside our means. So we didn't ever have car loans or loans on furniture or electronics or anything like that that we had to also add into the equation. We always just lived. If we could afford to buy it with cash, we'd buy it with cash. And if we couldn't, we didn't buy it. So that's probably going to be our next sort of point to discuss is what we actually did to sustain the single, the single income life that allowed you to stay at home. So let's take another break. When we come back, we'll dive straight into that.
Okay, so we just had a pretty tasty break where we gathered our thoughts for this next part. Ultimately, what we've kind of landed on for how we'd managed to make this work was we didn't really ever curb our spending in a sense, like sort of Peter, like you said before, we, we took a break. We just knew what our limit was when it came to spending money that we didn't have because we didn't ever want to get in a situation where we weren't, we were spending other people's money. We only ever really wanted to spend our money. And for a period of time, that meant that we would be spending quite a bit of our savings uh, that we managed to accumulate over the years and with selling our investment property, like you said earlier, which wasn't great, definitely not what we wanted to be doing. But as you said, we weren't curbing our spending. So what, I guess, do you expect to happen? But I think the thing we were always very conscious of is knowing when to stop. Mm. Knowing at what points throughout that process that we had to rein it in and sort of control it. And the more time that went on, the more we were able to learn that and the more we were able to put it into practice and really prioritize the things that we needed and what felt authentic to us and would, you know, amplify our life and and what we wanted to do with our kids and with our social time and all those things that come with it. Well, at that time as well, going back to the minimalism minimalism episode, I thought I was done saying that word, but I have to keep saying it. We lived a lifestyle where we thought more was more and that goes into the curb your spending piece. And it's a learned thing to have to figure out that journey. And we did get there because mm-hmm. we're there now. But there were little bumps across the way, like I'd get commission for work, I'd get tax time, and we'd kind of sustain ourselves with those as, as well. And we knew when we allowed for those, I guess, income flourishes to happen to keep us going and keep us sort of progressing. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of worked. But I think ultimately to keep it going even further, well, that was when the decision was made after Racine was born and through the hyperemesis that we want to downsize and we want to keep this going. So we made a point and a call at that point for that to happen as well. And not only keep it going, but keep it flourishing. Like we didn't want to just be going. Or we didn't want to just exist. Yeah. We didn't want to exist or we didn't want to think, oh, we can't do that or we if we wanted to go on a holiday, we could only do it for this short period of time because otherwise it would just be too much, too much to take on, too much to think about. It would cause a little bit of anxiety and all those things that it shouldn't happen. Like if you are going on a holiday, you want to be excited and be in a mindset of this is going to rejuvenate us. (laughs) Absolutely. And ultimately when we did sell and we did downsize, this single income life is working better for us than ever, I would say. Yeah. And it's definitely something that we are now really happy to continue going forward. Especially with two kids because Racina now gets the same treatment that Alberto got. 
Mm-hmm. If if what somewhat a better existence because I'm working from home, mm. so she not only gets the attention from you interacting and talking to her, but she also gets a second person reiterating that yeah. who's also here on in breaks and uh, in between meetings and stuff like that. I can really reinforce that same messaging, mm-hmm. and it really does help uh, with that. That's not to say that in between this whole journey we haven't sourced income from other areas like there's been times for yourself like where you've taken little work from home part-time admin assistant roles that has helped supplement but ultimately they're only serving the purpose of allowing you to stay at home longer yeah and they would never be something that would impact my time with the kids like it would only be something to help someone else absolutely but it's really has prolonged the whole journey and ultimately this is it's not so much a journey anymore we are living it this Mm -hmm. isn't something that's going to end this isn't a a process that's going to stop this is our normal this is our our lifestyle there's no focus on oh at this age when the kids turn this age or when they start school or whatever things are going to change like it's it just feels this is what it is this is it yeah yeah whereas there, there could be a temptation for people in similar situations that I'll go back to work when they start school or I'll look for a part-time job or I'll take on more work once the kids are, are, are older. It's no, you value your time that you have that you can contribute to their upbringing. Why jeopardize that just for a little bit of extra money that might not make too much of a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's worked really nicely. Do you enjoy it? Good days and bad days. Good days and bad days. <laughs> I think like in any job, <laughs> you have good days and bad days. And, you know, the kids are always changing and always growing and evolving. And that can sometimes bring on new personality traits that are a bit like, oof, hang on, what's this? But, you know, they're just trying to express themselves. And as long as I stay in that mindset of, you know, they're just a kid or this is the first time that they're trying to assert some independence or something like that. It can really bring me back down to dealing with it better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to say that, but you know. Well, it's, it's always a thing where I, I always think about whether or not it's fair on you to, to do it. And then I have to remind myself that, it's something that that you want for us as a family, that you you want to do this for our children so as to be in their lives in a meaningful way. Mm. And it's it's actually quite special to have that mm. and and have that that knowledge that we're both on that same page with it. Like one of us isn't I'm not pushing you to go to work or I'm not pushing you to stay at home. It's something that we've spoken about and found the solution that's best for us as a family. Yeah. And I think that there may be some people out there that are thinking, oh, don't you lose yourself in that process of being a stay-at-home mom and your life revolves around your kids. But I think that with any job that you take on, any role or position that you inhabit, you still have your life outside of that. 
So I think it's all about prioritizing your time. And like we were talking about last week with being able to have our kids on a very good sleep routine, it means that we can have our time outside of the kids and we can go on a date night if we choose, or we can go out individually with our group of friends or anything like that. You can just sit there and watch YouTube videos if you want. (laughs) YouTube shorts even. (laughs) Exactly. Like you don't have to continue that way of being that whole day you've just had into the nighttime and not getting any time for yourself. Yeah, you really need to find that that balance and rhythm for yourself within mm-hmm. that whole journey. Uh, look, I want to take another break. And there's one more point in the journey that for us was a really big deal, especially as it kind of was, do we let it happen? Do we not let it happen? And that was putting Alberto into daycare because you were a stay-at-home mum and you have those feelings of, is it the right thing to do mm-hmm. to, to send him there? So we, we had a bit of a process with that. So let's come back and talk about what that was like. So at three years old, we decided to put Alberto into daycare. Obviously, the timing was relevant with hyperemesis, although it was always the plan at three to do it. One day a week. One day a week. One Mm -hmm. day a week, of course. Yeah. Just to give him that guaranteed day of social interaction with other kids and being able to be independently in that environment and be able to communicate and learn to be with other kids because he was going to start school at some point, right? Exactly. We had to get him ready and we felt he was ready Mm -hmm. to start that one day a week. I don't really want to talk about so much what his journey at daycare was like. I more so want to look at it from our side because there would have been a feeling, and not necessarily for myself, because I think he needed it and I think it was really good for both you, me and Alberto. But did you have any guilt about putting him in there, knowing that you were a stay-at-home mum, that you were sending him off to daycare for one day a week? I don't think so. I don't think the one day got me. I think it's when it increased that got me. Uh, Because with one day, you think, well, you know, it's similar to if you go and take them to a theme park that day or to a playground or to a playgroup or whatever it is that, you've got this whole day booked out to do a specific task and yeah. And that's it. So I didn't, I wasn't concerned with one day. It's when it went more than that, that I was like, Oh my goodness, that's my job. (laughs) Well, I think hyperemesis aside, we always planned to increase it to two midway through the year, sort Mm -hmm. of see how his progression was going. The daycare, I know you didn't want to go into too much detail, but the daycare really encouraged us at the start to look at doing two days straight off the bat because they thought that him being in someone else's care, he was going to need it. He's going to need the consistency of going to really be able to adapt to the environment. Didn't need it. He didn't need it. He, he didn't need it. And we knew that going in, he won't need it. He's very confident, self-assured young man. And 
going into that environment, he was going to take those <laughs> well, attributes. Not that we're talking, like, yeah, not that we're talking about it, but on literally the first day, they gave the parents some like tissues and like a parent kit on like how to deal with a child not wanting to leave to, you. To leave you. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to know us. He ran <laughs> straight into the backyard where the playground was and didn't turn around. And yeah. I thought, okay, I'll just go. So it wasn't anything that we had to worry about with him sending him there. It was more just how it made us feel knowing that it was something that we could do at home, but giving him the opportunity to flourish as an individual. Mm-hmm. And look, we're now at a point where he goes three days a week. He's starting school next year. Yeah. Yeah. He's starting school next year, which is going to be five days a week, full time, learning from other people in an environment with other kids. And he really needed the extra days to start adjusting. Start adjusting to that that new normal that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then just begs the question with Racina what are our plans? And we haven't really finalized that yet. So that can be another topic for another day, but ultimately we've still in our minds got at least another year and a half, two years before we're going to put her into that situation of of daycare. Yeah. And because she was born mid-year, it means that she won't be starting school until five and a half. Mm. So, again, it's sort of like, okay, well, does that delay her start at daycare or does it not? So that's a It's another tricky one. If <laughs> well, anyone has any suggestions, we're happy to take them because uh, ultimately we will probably just do what we want in the end. But this episode here has really tied in closely to how we live as minimalists and our version of minimalism because – we couldn't sustain what we're doing now if we weren't living by a certain code of minimalism. And it's just going to serve us really well going into the future as well. But again, we've got tips on this uh, into how to make this work. So let's take a break and when we come back, we'll talk through some of our top tips for living single income. So living single income, it, uh, it might not be for everybody, but we've certainly showed that you can make it work if yeah. you have the right principles set in place and really strive towards it. Mm-hmm. The benefits obviously are huge. One, you don't need as much money to live. That's great. And also your kids will flourish if you have a mum that is as dedicated as my wife that I'm looking across over here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just accept the compliment. Now we've come up with two tips that we have used to make this, or not maybe we haven't used them, but we've definitely learned them uh, to make this work. So do you want to go with yours? I guess tip number one would be budgeting. Uh, duh, seems so obvious, but it actually is so important. And 
I think that we're not super great at sticking to a budget, to be perfectly honest. But what I like about it is being able to set out the expectation versus having to diligently stick to it. More just like so we know what's coming in and what's going out, what's regular, what's irregular, and just those sorts of formats. So for our, you know, Alberta has hobbies, like that's a weekly expense that will come out of the bank account and just being able to acknowledge that within what our income and what's coming in. I wouldn't, it's maybe not so much a budget as it is a framework Yeah. that you're not checking religiously. No. You're not going back and putting in the receipt from the corner store for buying a baby spinach because you ran out. Mm. You're having a sum for groceries that you there or thereabouts will sort of keep to because it's part of the framework. Yeah. And just things like we put in our budget that there's an expectation of each month we're going to be buying a certain amount of clothing or going out and having a certain amount of social activity expenditure. So those things are all factored in and it just gives us this visual guide as to coming in and coming out and just the expectation of what it's going to look like. And I wouldn't say we do this often. Mm. We maybe will do this at the start or close to the start of a year and that will kind of guide us through the year and then maybe we'll revisit it and look at our expenses again for the year ahead. And make adjustments. And make if adjustments, we need to. increase, decrease, whatever it is based on where our current situation is. Mm-hmm. Second tip, and again, it's all finance related at this point because I think <laughs> you've heard about all of Peter's great stuff throughout the journey. But it would be to spend the cash you have, don't spend other people's money. And by that, I mean don't spend other businesses' money. So your 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 lending services that let you buy something with their money that you pay off over time. Like an afterpay or... Trying not to name them. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Or just a credit card that comes with the purchase of a TV. <laughs> the credit card that comes with the purchase of a TV or a fridge or something like that. Yeah. It's effectively those things there are really a money trap because it gets you in the cycle of spending something before you have it. And then it's so easy. Mm. But then you're always behind. And it's exciting. It's exciting. I've got a new, new pair of shoes this week. Mm-hmm. And then you're paying that off over the next six weeks and you're catching up. And then you just keep doing that. You get stuck in this loop of I need this, so I'm going to put it on here and spend it later and buy it later with my money. But I've already have it. I've got the item secured. And it's just a really dangerous loop to be in because – you end up just spending money you don't have mm. and you're constantly behind, constantly behind. So for us, not engaging in those types of schemes, or I think if we've done it once, it was really selective and we never did it again mm. because we could see the dangers of it over time. So it's a lesson that was learned, but we'd never really, we never fell behind with it. We never got out of control with it. We just knew that that wasn't how we wanted to live. So now we, we only buy the things that we need with the money that we have. 
And if yeah. we don't have the money that week, if which, look, we never really find ourselves in a position where we don't have the money. But yeah. if we don't need to spend the money that week, then we don't buy it. Mm. It's that simple. We yeah. will just say to ourselves, we'll wait until we've accumulated a bit more cash and then we might make the purchase because it's, it's not urgent. If it's a bigger ticket item, we'll often say, is there any sales coming up? And we wait a couple of weeks and there generally is. Yeah. <laughs> I think the way uh, retail is conditioned at the moment is there will always be a sale mm. for something. And you just have to sometimes be a little bit more patient for something. And then when you do get a sale, God, it makes a great story. Check this out. I got this for like $500 off. <laughs> and everyone, you just want applause. So they're the tips, I think. Just work within a framework of, of money, not necessarily a budget. We're not financial advisors, so, you know. You do you. You do you. But if you're looking to maybe consolidate down to a single income, these are things that helped us. Working with a framework and absolutely getting rid of or not engaging with those those uh, short-term loans that allow you to buy stuff before you actually have the money. And that's it for episode four, living with a single income. Mm-hmm. And it was a big one. We definitely got to cover a lot. Yeah. And go over a few things about why this is so important to us. And it's a good reminder for us as to why it's so important to us really Mm. more than anything. Um, So well done to us reminding ourselves. (laughs) But that's it for another week. Uh, We always like to remind you though to obviously ask lots of questions of us. We definitely love answering questions in our DMs and our comments, Mm -hmm. in our Twitter feed because we do have Instagram and Twitter at the parent sesh. Yeah. So don't stop engaging with us on there. We absolutely thrive off having that two-way communication with with our audience. And we also love to hear your stories, what you're going through, and if you've taken anything away from anything we've said. So yeah, and not just keep it coming. Not just what we've done and if you identify with it, also if you're coming from the other side of the fence, if you're mm. living the other side. Mhm. And you have other points to raise, by all means, we love to hear that side too. We're not just yeah. always about uh, what we do. We're very open and understanding of everyone's situations. Yeah. But that is it for this week. So we'll, of course, be back next week. And next week's topic is a doozy. It's a big one. It's a big, hot button topic of the times that we live in Mm. and that's kids and technology yeah you might have listened to this episode and thought no she's obviously just used tablets and phones and and tv as a stay-at-home mum wrong (laughs) straight up wrong so we've got very big opinions and thoughts behind well, kids and technology. And what we like for and our what, family. Yes. What we like for our family. I should put that in there. Big opinions makes it sound very serious. So don't miss it. Make sure you're back next week to hear of our journey with kids and technology because it's been a it's been an interesting one. So that's it though. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll, we'll see you next week. We'll catch you next week. Bye.